Welcome to Up My Hockey with Jason Podolan, where we deconstruct the NHL journey, discuss what it takes to make it, and have a few laughs along the way. I'm your host, Jason Podolan, a 31st overall draft pick who played 41 NHL games, but thought he was destined for a thousand. Learn from my story and those of my guests. This is a hockey podcast about reaching your potential. Hey there, and welcome back to Up My Hockey for episode number 30. And today, for episode number 30, I thought I'd bring on someone who wore number 30 his entire 17-year career in the name of Chris Osgood, a three-time Stanley Cup winning goaltender. Not often you can have that on your podcast, so I think we're lucky today. Uh, He is a legendary tender. He really is. Ozzy played 744 regular season games, winning 401 of them. Uh, I think his winning percentage is one of the highest of all time. I should have looked that up. But it places him, the 401 wins, as the 13th winningest goalie in NHL history. He is also 8th in all-time playoff wins. As I said earlier, Osgood won three Stanley Cups in total. Two as a starter in 98 and 2008. He almost won his fourth cup during a fantastic run in 2009. But his poor Red Wings lost game six in Pittsburgh, came home, lost game seven in Joe Lewis uh, to the Penguins, both by scores of two to one uh, to fall one goal short. So we discuss a ton of interesting stuff in this 90 minutes, like what it's like to get pulled in your first NHL start, if you can believe that, how to bounce back after making a huge mistake, and Ozzy made a couple of them, which we cover uh, in the playoffs too, which are magnified even more so. Uh, Also, the the most important aspects of preparation for a goaltender and why they are critical to your confidence. That goes outside of goaltending too. I've heard that from other people on other podcasts, and it's something that I teach to my clients myself, the art of preparation is a huge confidence builder and you have to uh, build that process for yourself. Uh, Also, what is it like to fight his idol Patrick Watt center ice in the 98 playoffs? We also talk about Ozzy interviewing Patrick Watt as a broadcaster, uh, the first time they ever met face-to-face, which was one of the most uh, nerve-wracking things he said he'd ever been a part of. what, what player in the NHL during his era had the best backhand in hockey? Uh, we also talk about why mistakes, what mistakes can teach you uh, or how they can break you. And also the benefit of being able to consciously choose your response to events. That's super critical in the mindset realm. And uh, Ozzy speaks very, very uh, succinctly to that. So Ozzy was an awesome guest, and I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I did. Uh, super awesome to have somebody of, of his stature, uh, of his winning mindset his winning nature and also the ups and downs that he was so vulnerable uh to share with us so without further ado i bring you chris osgood all right we are live uh this is episode 30 ozzy i saved this special for you because i i know how near and dear that number is to you so uh, I brought you in for episode 30, and we have with us today uh, Mr. Chris Osgood from his house. Where are you? You're in Michigan, right? I'm in Michigan, yeah. Plymouth, Michigan. About from his house in Plymouth, Michigan. He's also got a summer place over here in Vernon, uh, which is where Ozzy and I kind of crossed paths a few m- many summers ago. Um, but you're back. You're back for the fall now. So thanks so much, man, for joining us yeah. today. Really appreciate you can make it happen. Yeah, no problem. Uh, 
try and do this now what for a year and a half almost two so uh we finally got together i, I thought we were six o'clock eastern of course I'm, I'm bad with time he's getting worse the older i get but uh <laughs> we're gonna uh, knock our socks off here and ha- have a have a good hour hour and a half here it's gonna be great oh fun. awesome man really appreciate it um yeah, it's just funny the way the hockey world works and a lot of the guys I've had on, I mean, we haven't played together. Well, actually, you know what? That's a lie. And I'm not sure. Do you do you actually, do you know that we did play together? In Detroit? No. In, where? In, in New York. In New York, yes. The Islanders, for sure. Yeah, which, uh, which is so crazy because that was my last ever game in the NHL. And, I mean, it, for me, it was a call-up, right? I was called up, yeah. and then I played one game and was down. And we were in camp together that year, yeah. but I um, – like, I – practically forgot that we even played so we did play together it was my last game and we've had some other interesting kind of connections that you probably don't even know about and one of which is uh this is pretty funny I think this is hilarious (laughs) I want to show you something Uh here I'm going to share my screen Ozzy and I want you to give me some goaltending uh review critique here of of the goaltender here okay all right uh bring it hopefully this works for you let's see let's see if we can get this on here (laughs) all right I see it oh my gosh Okay, uh, you this, see this? Is this a little bit of Seattle Thunderbirds versus the Spokane Chiefs? Well, it might be. It might be. I'm not sure uh, though. We'll have to see. We'll have to see what comes at, out here. This was. The, this uh, could have been maybe your last year. I want to watch the D zone coverage here. This this guy behind the net, and also and also the Tendy here. I'm not sure if he quite gets to his post. And there might be another goal after this. So just let us know here. I got plenty of questions for this. Oh, oh that's not. That's. Oh, uh, sorry. That might not be. That might be me. Maybe that's a quick wraparound. That's in Spokane because that's when the home team won the uh, wore the white jerseys. Oh, there, is that another one, Ozzy? What was that? Was the same game? Did I ever put an effort forth there though for that one? <laughs> no, hold on. Okay, my my, uh, my TV guy back in the day actually slowed this down for us in case he didn't get it the first time. Real, well, real like clear. A, like a true goalie, I'm gonna say, what in the heck are three guys on my team doing behind it for starters? <laughs> And what am I doing? That's a move that you don't ever see anymore at all. This had to be what, 89, 90? Look at you out of the paint there like that, man. Out of the paint. That looks like a cross between Darren Pang and John Casey <laughs> right there. For sure. Killer jerseys, though. I love those jerseys in oh Seattle, my for gosh. sure. I I mean, that was a big rival. People don't realize that. So then we played. Was that in the playoffs? Because I remember That was played, the playoffs. Yeah, man. Played, that was totally the playoffs. Wasn't uh, Jamie Lennon played for you guys, didn't he? He was Jamie Yeah, Jamie Lennon was there. You know who was there then, too? Uh, Jared Bednar was on that yeah. team. Was Valerie Bray playing with you guys then? Yeah. As well, yeah. God. Val was there, too. So we it's, got out of uh, – that was my, like, rookie, rookie year. I was technically a 15-year-old that year. Really? And you were in your last year, so I got um, called up for playoffs. I and made then, you look uh, good. We beat Portland in the first round, and then we yeah. played you guys. And you guys actually, you guys went on for a pretty good run there that year, if I don't recall correctly. Yeah, we ended up losing at Calus, I think. They were good. Sidor and Niedemeyer played about 35 yeah. minutes of every game, if not more. Right. But, uh, I love going down memory lane like that. It's great. And <laughs> where did you pull that out of? That's outstanding. You know what was so wild is that uh, – I mean, I have so few things, Oz, like of, of whatever, this sort of stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, my dad made a DVD for me yeah. from like World Junior stuff, a little bit of junior yeah. stuff that he just had from Collected. And then one of the clips, which I didn't show, was like my my second ever NHL game was against you guys in Detroit. And yeah. uh, and you were in net and I, I had a pretty pretty good you, rush coming in wide and you stopped you, me. You know, I, I, I'm kind of going to blame you for the lack of games <laughs> I played in the NHL. You let that one in, I might have had a different career, Oz. You had... Uh... Then that was in, was that in regular season? Yeah, you regular in Toronto season. Then? Yeah, no, Toronto? I was in Florida. I was, Florida. When I was in Florida oh. still. Yeah, 
Well, you so. did pretty good in your own right there, Podgy. Don't worry about everybody. <laughs> Sorry, so, when you think, I, I thought I'd share that. You, that. I pulled yeah. it out of the woodwork today. That's pretty good. When you think back on it, we're all so lucky we just got a chance to play in NHL. It's tough to do, oh, and it's really, no kidding, really man. tough. No kidding. So, and I wanted to start just with you. I want to go through, I mean, geez, for one, you know, obviously to play 17 damn years in the NHL, um, you know, it, yeah, it's I, ridiculous, right? And I do want to get there. A lot of the guys I start with at the draft, I start mm-hmm. with junior, but because, you I mean, your career was so crazy, I want to, I want to stick to the NHL mostly. But okay. I, want to, I want to talk about that first year for you coming out of the WHL yeah. and getting into pro and, and you only spent the one season in, in the minors and Adirondack there, but can you talk about that? Like your, your transition from being a junior player, um, getting wow. into, getting into the pro ranks, being an Adirondack, wanting to be an NHL or like, how, how did that yeah, all work for you that I, first year? I, I think now that you showing that clip, I'll go right from there is I played in my hometown medicine in junior got traded to Seattle, which in the end really helped me a lot. I was at home the entire time. So now I had to go to Seattle. Wasn't used to being on my own. Yeah, you bill it, but still you have to do a lot by yourself that maybe you weren't used to doing. So got me ready for when I did go to Adirondack, didn't have a clue where it was. I remember looking on a map because you didn't, couldn't check on Google maps and you didn't have that. You had to look on an actual map, unfold right. the map of the United States and look to see where Adirondack was. It was a little, little speck on the map in the mountains, Adirondack mountains. And, they had won the year before in the HL. They had a good team. I was very fortunate. I, and I was fortunate in my entire career place with some great partners. You can't do it by yourself. I had some great mentors. I got to play my first year in the HL with Alan Bester, who was a goalie in Toronto. We know that. Came to Detroit. Um, very good NHL goaltender in the 80s. Um, a good mentor for me when I was in Adirondack. And, and also got to play with Tim Day when I went to Detroit. So I had, right off the bat, I had a lot of great mentors. And that's so important when you're a young player. When 100%. you go to Adirondack and you go to the AHL, I'd have much of a clue. And you remember five to 10 things a year. These guys tell you that make a massive difference as you move along in life, not only playing, but off, off the ice as well, but just helping me a ton. Um, in the first year in the AHL, and it was tough. You think you're good. You're coming out of a junior, you know, you, I didn't play world juniors like you. I got cut twice. Unbelievable. So I got cut me and Marty Brewer. I cut one year. Both of us did. So, um, and you, you think you're great and you, man, you get, you got a wake up call. AHL is a very good league. There's very good players in that league. To me, it's the second best league in the world uh, behind the NHL. It was real difficult, had my ups and downs. And when I actually did get called up, it was early the next year. We had a very good team. Uh, we were stacked. Uh, it was four games in Tim shovel. They blew his knee out, got called up. And I remember I didn't think I was going to play. I was in Toronto and Scotty Bowman tells me I have breakfast with him and reading and he goes, just kind of throws out, oh, by the way, you're starting tonight. Then he just keeps talking about other stuff. I'm like, excuse me, Posse. I immediately was the most nervous I've ever been in my life. I'm in <laughs> Toronto. Toronto Maple Leafs at the time were 12-0-2. I'd be, I'm, I'm guesstimating. It was right around there. They hadn't lost yet. They had Doug Gilmore. They were stacked. They had a really good team. Sedin was there. It was in uh, the old Maple Leaf Gardens. Well, needless to say, I lasted half the game. Uh, the old double spinorama, Doug Gilmore behind the net. Not exactly like you did, Pazio. That was very impressive, I must say. But the Gilmore <laughs> one was too. And I remember, and, and you remember moments though that even as bad as it is, I skate to the bench and Scotty Bowman looks at me and says, "Don't worry, kid. You'll be here for a long time." And, and then he goes, "You'll be okay." You know. And so even when things are bad, there's a silver lining to everything. Uh, I realized at that moment that I could play in the league. It was just going to take time. And you so just you got to, pulled, you got pulled your first game in the NHL. Yeah, halfway through the game in Toronto, I believe it was four. Uh, maybe five, I think it was four. 
But the last goal, I think, was a double spinorama by Doug Gilmer. And God bless him because I love Doug Gilmer for sure. Um, and what an entrance, to, though, really, yeah, right? I mean, it wasn't the way yeah. you drew it up, you know? No, that wasn't... Not, not at all. And, uh, but even as bad as it might have seen him come off the ice and then to have the legendary Hall of Famer Scotty Bowman is, you know, Pat, you don't worry. I mean, he said plenty of stuff the opposite direction to my way, too. But, the, you know, just, thinking back on that it was like yeah you know what i, I can do this but it's going to take me time and take some work in order to get there and right. be a regular nhl or i'm not playing for another week and then my first my next game was against la kings with wayne gretzky who i grew up watching play in edmonton so uh it's ironic how things work out but a really cool start and it and what you learn is is your first year in the nhl is how to persevere you have to be able to persevere and and overcome uh, barriers and overcome uh, hurdles and, and just keep grinding away. Same as NHL, you got to continue not only in hockey, you got to reinvent yourself all the time. All the yeah, time, 100%. I mean, that's uh, that's impressive though, because especially for that era, I'm just going to shine the light back on Scotty Bowman. And I mean, I, I knew we were going to get there at some point, <laughs> maybe we get there a little earlier than I thought, but you know, for for that being your first game, get the start for him to pull you. And yeah. then to make the time, because a lot of time coaches didn't make the time. No, you know, not at all. To let you know that, hey, man, you're going to be okay, right? Because yeah. he might have got the cold shoulder. He might have not looked you in the eye the next day. You know how that goes, right? And that's a way different feeling. That's a different vibe. So just to get that kind of that vote of confidence yeah. must have meant the world. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I think uh, you, you look back on your coaches and at the time they anger you. They make you mad at times. But you look back and they're usually right. And they're trying to make you better. And that's their job. And I was real fortunate. Two things that I was really, really lucky, fortunate to have is really good goalie partners that were mentors to me that weren't pushing me aside or, or, or uh, knocking me down. They wanted to see me do well. They're encouraging me, um, hoping for the best for me. And I had really good coaches too. I had Scotty Bowman, Mike Babcock in, in Detroit. I had Joel Quinville in St. Louis and I had Peter Laviolette in, in New York Islanders. To me, when you get those four guys, you can learn a heck of a lot from those guys. And I was real, real fortunate to have the chance. And, and you know what? You always don't get along with your head coach. You always don't get along with your boss. But you know what? It, it's in the end. You're trying to do the same thing. And uh, I look up up to those guys now. And I respect them. And, uh, you know, you got to thank them for what they've done for you. Just like all the people along the line who helped you get to where you're at. Yeah, I mean that's that's a real that's a real great sentiment there. I mean, I was I, I had that written down. I mean, for it's amazing that it won 17 years that you played 17 years. It's also amazing to me that you only had four coaches during yeah, that time, which is like, big. I mean, huge. I, I, and I had the same goalie coach, Jim Bedard, awesome guy. Uh, real fortunate to have had him most of my career as well. Uh, helped me change the way I played halfway through my career. And one of the guys, and you always need those guys as you go along, they're always going to be in your corner no matter what. And he was one yeah. of those guys. So I was real lucky to have the stability in coaching. I pretty much had the same coach year after year and to have the same goalie coach. So a lot of right. times you look at these teams now, they're switching coaches every year or two, and it's it's real difficult for these players to get any traction. So um, that definitely had, a, had an outcome for uh, me being able to play as long as I did. Um, I'm just making notes here as, as, as we go, because I, I want to make sure I ask everything. It's funny <laughs> that we're getting into some of the stuff I thought I was going to get to into the end. But I, even even with like those four coaches you mentioned, um, yeah. and I've heard stuff on both sides of the fences of, of the two, I'd say the two biggest names, which is Scotty Bowman. Obviously, he's the he's the king of coaching. And with Mike yeah. Babcock, who um, who's always went on to Toronto and now now doesn't have a job. But there are guys that think that th those two are like 
the best of their eras. And there's also yep. guys that have played for them that kind of don't have that great of things to say. Like, it's really interesting to hear that kind of on the back side of it. Do you, do you think that Babs and Scotty get the, get the respect and the accolades they deserve? I, I think so. I mean, it's tough being a coach. It's hard. You can never please everybody at the same time. I mean, I would say Scotty Bowen was hard to me when he had to be. There's times where I, you know, disliked him. And there's other times where I, I, I loved him. And then in the end, you look back and, and he helped me be the player who I became and was at the time. And then I move on to, to Mike Babcock, who really, you know, he, he him and I butt heads, but he, I'm going to want to say forced, but pushed me to change the way I played. And in the end, I would say he, he, it was, it was good that he did that. Maybe I needed somebody to do that and push me in the right direction. I had my goalie coaches that did it, but I need right. somebody else to really challenge me, push me and somebody to prove wrong. And I, yeah. that's what I was always trying to do. Yeah. And, I, and I didn't always get along with Mike Babcock. We, we won a Stanley cup together um, against Pittsburgh. I respect him. Um, and in the end, uh, he was one of the reasons why I was on the ice in 2008 when we won because he he pushed me to change my style, change my game, and challenge me to be better later yeah. in my career. Or maybe I just if I wouldn't have had a person like that or a coach that was that hard, I might have just mailed it in and and ended my career at 35 and been okay with that. Right. So um, and and then my last year, I don't think he played me. I don't want. Jeez, I don't even remember. Now this is what I am at him about. He didn't play me like 30 games, 35 games in a row. Sat on the bench as an older player. It's hard to come back. So. There's both ways, but in the end, um, the, these guys are a big reason why I, I played as long as I did sure. in the NHL for some reasons. And you got to take the good with the bad. There's no perfect coach. Um, it's a difficult job. And uh, each and every one of them are great coaches for a reason. And uh, what was the, um, if, uh, with those two, I mean, they, they, I've heard they've had different styles. Like what, what, was, their, what was their style if you were to compare, compare them? What, where were their strengths? Well, their strengths were – um, ultra organized, um, knew the other teams, knew all the players in the league, knew exactly how to coach against that other team and knew where to put players in a position to succeed the most. Uh, Scotty Bowman, I think one of the few coaches ever that could actually intimidate the other team's coaching staff by just being there, by line changing, by matching lines, changing games. Everybody thought we had this left wing lock that we trapped, but we changed every 10 minutes and even nowadays, I watch games. I'm, I'm wonder why is the both power plays the same? Why don't teams change what they do? You know, four check two guys for ten minutes, or go back to a trap, or depending on where they're playing, how many games they played in a row. But instead of just playing one particular way, continue to change the way you play and keep the other team on their toes. And Scotty was great at that, staying one step ahead all the time. And 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 Mike Babcock was good too. He's ultra organized, ran great practices, um, motivated guys. And in the end, their jobs to make players better and make them play as best as they can. And, and both those guys do a heck of a job of doing that. Right. Yeah. I played, I played for Babs too. That was back in Spokane. Uh, yeah. He came into Spokane there. You guys and, won, um, didn't you? you one thing I'd say Cup? with, with Babs, at least my experience, and maybe he changed and evolved. I have no idea, but he kind of seemed to have one way of motivating guys, you know, like yeah. he was, he was hard, like, and he was organized. Yeah. Like those words come, come to my mind for sure with him, right. Prepared, organized, competitive yeah. right those are words that come but he was yeah he was hard I mean there wasn't there wasn't too much soft and fuzzy with him um <laughs> no. and I think today's coaches maybe are, are starting to see that a little bit more that different players may you might get more out of them like handling them a different way Is, was that kind yeah. of the vibe you got from Babs too 
Well, he was hard for sure. I mean, there was no budging whatsoever for the most part, not at that time. I mean, it was, uh, he was organized. He had his way he was doing things and there was no veering out of that lane whatsoever. Maybe there is now, or maybe there will be when he comes back. Um, you know, he's in Toronto, everybody says Mike Babcock, this and that. It, it's also on the flip side, it's tough to coach these young guys now. It's tough. Marner and, and, the, and uh, Matthews, these are great young players, Nylander. But it's also hard to coach them. I mean, it is. And uh, it's difficult. And everybody changes, evolves as, as they're a player, as they're a goalie like I was. And as you're a coach, you evolve, you change. And everybody deserves that second chance and deserves that opportunity to better themselves. And how else are you supposed to improve unless you make mistakes or, yeah. or, or do things maybe not as you would have planned? So um, I'm, a big, I'm a big guy about people deserve second chances and an opportunity again. And you go through life, it's impossible to be perfect. Nobody is. No, 100%. And uh, yeah, and the thing is, you're doing the best you're doing the best you can in the moment. Uh, yeah, and maybe it's just not the best you got, you know, or you got to yeah. you got to change something, which, which actually brings me to that point where you said you got to a point in your career, there coming into maybe 08, right? 07, 06, you're yeah. in your 30s at this point. And, and you said you kind of reinvented yourself. And I had a conversation with Kevin Weeks on the podcast here as well, yeah. who said that he essentially did the same thing where he was he was all kind of athleticism. Um, and then he saw, he saw these guys just kind of being so stoic and so robotic yeah. and, and being big. And, and he felt that that was the way it was going. And he had to, you know, it's, he had to kind of reinvent himself yeah. in the NHL, which I was like, Holy smokes. Like how hard would that be? Is that, is that kind of what you felt you were doing there at yeah. that time? I was a year lockout. So it was, it was 2004 and I uh, worked on changing my game to pushing around and being more up and, and not being so stand up and uh, just really relying on my reflexes, but also being a really good blocker and being a really good positionally. And the thing about that is though, it takes forever. It takes a year and there's frustration level that goes with it. You're doing a lot of meticulous moves uh, that take a lot of doing again and again and again and again. So it took me a full year of practicing just to get him down and practice. Then I went to the game. Well, then when it didn't go over the game, which it didn't, that first year I came back in 05, it was a struggle for the first half of the year. I was crossed up a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I just stuck with it. And I think Babs was my coach at that time. And there was times where he was mad at me for sure. Didn't play very well. And there's other times where he would be on the ice with me doing drills with, and, and Paul McLean, who now is a coach with Columbus doing the special teams there. He'd be on the ice with me or Jim Bedard, especially day in, day out. And, you know, you can only thank him enough. We'd be up 20 minutes early before practice just meticulous skating drills. And I never forget, you don't think of a goalie being power skaters or being a great skater, which I was never a great skater, but I really worked on my skating from the time I was in 2004 for four years to, or even six till after a week to 2010. I skated all the time. So I just were practices skating, working on my edges to keep my legs going. Cause I wanted to play as long as I could. Um, then I go into these games and instead of, because remember, Pazzi, a lot of goalies would dive with their hands first and uh, shortstop style, we'll say, or soccer goalie style. Well, now they're pushing over on their legs and they're pushing on their knees with their chest up. They're getting across the crease. They're not coming out as far as they did when I was with Seattle there in that second clip you showed me, that <laughs> lovely high shot that I windmilled and missed. But a lot it was it was kind of being more in control. But then you take all that, and when you're in control and practice, you try and put it into a the speed of an NHL game, it's difficult. It, it takes a while for it to start clicking in. And eventually when it did, <clears throat> that's when I felt I could play longer. And I thought in 2005, I thought, man, I'm going to have about 
two years left if this keeps going the way it is, if that. So it finally clicked in and, and, and I really felt comfortable with it. I wouldn't say, I'd say confident with it, right. uh, where I could go out and I wasn't second guessing myself in games or wasn't even thinking about what I was doing. It was just finally starting to happen. That's Isn't that I, the thing? Oz? Yeah. I think like for, for me listening to you, like that's the ticket, what you just said right there. Cause the whole time you're speaking, I'm thinking about golf. Yeah. And I'm thinking about, you know, you got your golf swing, you go get that golf lesson. Now they want you to have your right elbow high or you know, whatever that thing yeah. is. And now you're practicing it on the range, but until you can get it into your swing and you're not thinking about it on the course, you're toast. Well, and I, I, I can imagine that's what it was like for you as yeah. a, as a goalie trying to, you know, you have your natural habits and your natural tendencies. And now you're trying to incorporate these new things and you're, you're kind of stuck in the middle for a while. Well, it was a great lesson for me. I still, I still use it because it took me pretty much a year and a half to get to where I needed to be to, to be able to stay in the NHL and be successful. And I use it now you know, coaching my son's team or just anything when a younger goalie will ask me, it takes time. Like enjoy, enjoy it. Enjoy the fact that sometimes you're going to fail and learn from it and get better from it and don't get down on yourself and enjoy, enjoy the good times and enjoy the bad because there was times where Posse, I would be practicing and I would be atrocious with trying to be, I was caught in between. I go sit on the bench and I'd say, that's enough. I'm done. And there was times you, you have those conflictions with yourself where you're almost going to just, walk off and go into the room and say, I've had enough, do it. And you can't do it. You got to stick with it, continue to battle. Cause it's not all, all uh, sunshine and rainbows when you're trying to fix yourself and get better. There's going to be times where you're in a dark place and don't feel like you can, you can do this, but you got to persevere and just keep doing it. Just keep well, doing it. Just keep level, doing man. it. Yeah. You just got to keep doing it. And now I, 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 I do that when I'm coaching my son, just keep doing it. Even if you're not doing it right. It, it's easy if, if, if you were a great driver of the golf ball and you just took your driver out there and just use driver all day, I mean, I, I, go out there and practice the stuff you're not good at. And it's okay to fail. It's okay not to be good at that for that particular time. And you're going to get great gratification from it and build your self-esteem when you finally do get better at it. And the journey is just as important as the result. Yeah. What do you... Boy, I mean, there's my, I'm going all over the place with that one because, I, I mean, it's one thing for you to be established and I can imagine how hard that was as an established goalie to you know have those bumps in the roads and, mm -hmm. and to know you're maybe not playing as well as you could and still to persevere and, and do that but at least you know you got a job and at least you have a contract like that's that's hard for a for a young guy coming in trying to get better you know yeah. worried about putting his best foot forward and doesn't want to look uncomfortable or out of place or yeah. you know that he doesn't know what he's doing i mean it's uh any advice and, for those young guys and, coming and, in and you know what it's a great question because when i was playing in in late 1990s and 2000s you you were given more time to get your game back you you got that year if you had an off year you're back and really you had your job nowadays as a goalie you're, i'm watching st louis playing the playoffs bennington who won the stanley cup just last year wasn't playing some of the games because he wasn't performing at the time years past when i was playing there's not a chance he would have been in the entire time playing over and over and over again so the the the, the leash on the goalies and the players and and in all sports in general is a lot shorter than it used to be because expectations are a lot higher and, and that win now mentality is bigger than it ever was before. So it's difficult. So they, they got to train, they got to put in the work off the ice and on the ice and do the extra work. So when they do get into that situation that they're ready, I remember when I was a backup with Dominic Kasich and I, and, and the, the biggest mistake I made before he was there was, was I wasn't working hard enough in practice. And I realized I saw Dominic there and I'm like, 
oh my God, this guy is unbelievable. He's mad about letting in a goal in practice. We got beaten in a shootout in Chicago um, when Patrick Kane was a rookie. Dom didn't know him, made Dom look silly in a breakaway. He put all 100 pucks at center. Him and I were net. We had to stop every one of those pucks where we could leave the ice. If they scored, it went back to center. So who knows how long we went for, but it was forever. We were <laughs> exhausted. I remember it was Eiserman, Shanahan, Fedorov, all these guys are shooting. So it was, this, it was hard. But he's like, Ozzy, we are stopping all these before we leave. He was a perfectionist. I remember watching him practice. I'm like, if I would have been doing this for the last eight years, I'd be better than I was am now. And I had some great guys I did play with mentoring, but that was another guy that I played with that I was amazed at a hardy work. So I always made sure that I was not sitting on the bench or not going into a season not ready. There's nothing worse feeling like that. And then you don't want to go in. I was always ready. I was always prepared in, th- in those years. And I was ready to go in. I was ready if the score went through nothing to be called upon. And there, the, and so when I did go in in 08, there was, I, I was not doubting myself whatsoever. And you don't want to be going into a season for goalies that are trying to make it or players wondering if you did enough or wondering if you're ready. You do you want to take that doubt out of your, out of your head. So you give yourself the best opportunity to succeed. And if you do that and perform to your best of your abilities and work as hard as you can, you've already won. You've already yeah. won. No, great points. You mentioned Jim Bedard earlier that you spend a lot of time with. And one of my yep. questions was going to be, um, you know, majority of your time was in Detroit. And I believe he was under contract with Detroit as Detroit's goalie coach, correct? Yep. Yes. So then you go to the island or then you go to St. Louis. Like, how, how does that work for a guy like you who's been in the league that long? Does he come with you or do you have to go with, no. the, with the guy who's in St. Lou? No, yeah, I'd go with Billy Smith. was my goalie coach with the Islanders uh, when I was there. And uh, I we had my goal. I can't remember my goalie coach was in St. Louis. I can't believe that, but um, he was good as well. I, all the goalie coaches are pretty much the same. Billy Smith was old school. Loved hanging around him. He was outstanding. Um, but in, in the end, you know, Jim Bedard the most influence on me. He was a big influencer and also me coming back to Detroit and then really sitting down and just fixing my game. And, you know, as for me, I had to be patient for getting back too. but as a goalie coach, he's got to be patient. I mean, there's a lot of swearing back and forth and cursing and mad and upset. And I'm not playing again. Now I feel like I'm ready, but I'm not playing and a bunch of different factors that can go into it. So you got to have a guy with you by your side through the thick and thin and through when you're almost ready to throw your stick and get off the ice and keep you on there and push you through sometimes when maybe you, you wouldn't do that. So, I mean, he, he, he's a huge factor in the, the fact that I came back to Detroit and was able to play like I did. So you right. can't thank him enough. I mean, we, I remember one time I was really struggling and you talk about coaches and, and uh, Ken Hall more or less gave me a week off a break. And I was struggling. This was after 08 when we won. And I just stayed back with Jim Bedard practiced just him and I for a week straight came back and got my game back together. Um, real important. And not only just practicing wise, but a guy you can talk to on a level that he understands what you're going through. And he get, I can't begin to tell you, and it's so important to have somebody with you. You can get yourself picked. You always hear saying, well, when you get knocked down, what do you do? Well, you pick yourself back up. But sometimes you need somebody by your side to help you do that. And yeah. he was one of those guys that was, that was a real catalyst for me and helping me get back. And I never would have won in 08 if it wasn't for Jim Bedard. And, you know, get to the final in 09 and be successful as I was if it wasn't for him. You have tons of people that help you along the road. Yeah, that's a huge compliment. Uh, while you were saying that about Billy Smith, he was our goalie coach in um, Bridgeport, in Florida. Florida, right? yes. So he was in Florida. He had Kevin Weeks, and then and then when I went to uh, with the Islanders, I mean, he was yep. he was there with you, right? So then he yep. was also Rick DiPietro's 
goalie coach, which was my roommate in Bridgeport. Oh, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, so our, our paths crossed again there, Ozzy. But it, it was interesting that year because, I mean, uh, Ricky was the first overall, as you know, and, yep. you know, kind of supposed to be the face of, of the franchise there in the future. And then there was some issues, um, not with personality or anything. Everyone loved no. Billy, but like Billy wanted Ricky to play a way that Ricky didn't think he should play, you know, or, or yeah. was uncomfortable playing. And, uh, and it was really awkward for him, his first year pro to like, like, do I, do I go with what's got me here? Like the first overall selection or do I, mm-hmm. or do I now need to switch it up and listen to this guy? And he was, yeah. he was crossed up, as you said earlier, um, for younger goalies out there, like, what, what do you say to that? Like, I think that's a hard one, isn't it? Like when you have a belief in yourself of how, of how you're supposed to be, obviously you need to be open to improving and wanting to grow, um, but yeah, I mean, what if you don't feel it's right? <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's a lot. It's a little bit different now than when I, I had a lot of different goalie coaches and I, I was of the belief to take something from everybody. And then I had Jim Bedard, who had an open mind, who would be willing to change stuff and really help me with stuff. But it, it, it's, it's even more difficult now because we talked about it just a little while ago. The, the, the time frame to succeed is so short for these guys now. If they don't, then they're either sent down or they just don't play. And when they're not playing as a goalie, it's it, it, you can only practice for so long. You eventually have to play some games to get better and get in there. And for me, I, if I was a younger goalie come to the league right now, I would I would put myself with probably one or two guys that were very good that taught me different things. I'd incorporate both that the good things I liked. Um, I, I wouldn't strictly go just new school blocking. I love what uh, Mark Andre Fleury love the way he plays. But it's changing. The game is changing. Um, guy, some guys get stuck in their ways. You always have to be evolving. But yeah, I go back to what we talked about. I already said it again. Make sure you're ready. Do extra work. Put in the time. Don't go into camp. Don't go in if, whether you're trying out for your Bantam team, midget team, or you're going to your first junior camp. Make sure you put in the work. Make sure you go on the ice. Make sure you do your reps with your goalie coach. So when you do get there, you're ready. There's no questioning. There's no second guessing. You go in and play. And to me, if you've done that, you've already passed. You've already succeeded no matter what happens. But give yourself the best chance possible to perform and do as well as you can. Did you notice that, Oz, um, from the time, whether maybe even from junior through your time as a pro, Mm -hmm. the difference in the attention to the physical realm of the game? 100%. Plus, it used to season you stand and my equipment was in the bag for four or five months. I mean, you just can't do that anymore. These guys... These guys are pretty much going year round. They're in phenomenal shape. They're unbelievable athletes. I mean, we're good athletes, but not the same as these guys. These guys are ridiculous shape, huge guys. The goalies are big, but they're also athletic now. They can move. Um, it's difficult. You do I think there needs to be more time off? For sure, I do to rest the body to to get yourself back into that optimum shape so you can go through a rigorous full season. But at the same time. You got to get yourself ready. There really has to be a plan put forth, especially if you're a goalie, to stay away one from injuries, to get yourself ready so you can play the best you can. So you got to be with the right people and put in the right amount of time, both on and off the ice, that's going to get you ready for the season. It's way different than it was when when I played. And and these guys nowadays, it, it's, it's on right away when the season ends. They're back training they're doing weights, they're doing their squat jumps, they're doing all the stuff they do now that that we didn't. You, we used to do that, Pause. You're right in, in Vernon there. We don't do that anymore, though, obviously. Right. But um, they, these guys, I, I mean, I'm around the, the Red Wings now, and they're working out before the game. They're working out after the game. They're working out on the off days. I don't think I worked out five times in, in, in one year of 
during when we played hockey during the season. So yeah. uh, it's certainly changed a lot. The pressure is a lot more. The a- athleticism of these players is unbelievable. So, and I respect that. And I respect what these players are doing right now. I'm amazed at how great they're playing right now, considering the time they had off and, and how competitive it is. So it's, it's been entertaining to watch for sure. And I do respect the players now. Yeah, they're unbelievable. The goalies are phenomenal. I mean, phenomenal. It's one, it's one of the things, well, I mean, the game has evolved a ton since we were there. I mean, the game is quicker on a lot of levels, but the, the goaltending position really seems to have like taken off. But one of the things that I find, I don't know what the right word is, but I, I just don't like that. It seems like you have to be six foot five to be an NHL goaltender now. Like, I, it and I've talked I've talked to some scouts and 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 they've even said that hey we we're not you know, we don't even look at guys who are under six feet or under six two and to me like I don't know if that's right or wrong but like how do you feel about that being a smaller I mean under well, those rules you wouldn't have played in the league you know I I, I still believe like six one six two is a perfect size for a goalie um, it's tough when you're six five six six to track pucks down low to move around it's difficult at times especially now because these, these forwards can pass the puck. Uh, east west like like nobody's business the game is so fast side to side these guys got to be able to move i think i think once you're six one six two off the ice you put your skates on your six four almost uh that's plenty big enough um if, and if you look at all the guys who won the stanley cup there's no real guy that's six five six six that's one in the last few years i look at the size of mark andre fleury i think that's the perfect size for a goalie bennington st louis's goalie last year i i feel like he's the perfect size but in the end, it's, it's up to the guy if he wants to put in the time. But like we talked about before, no matter what size you are, some guys can play at 6'6", some guys can play looking like they're 6'6", six, six, yeah. six feet tall. So do I, do I agree with a scout saying that a 6'6 six, six goalie is the only guy they can draft or 6'5"? That's, that's ridiculous. If you can play, regardless if you're the size of Johnny Goudreau in Calgary or yeah. if you're a goalie, that's six feet tall, like Tim Thomas with the Boston Bruins, you should be able to play. And yeah. uh, and you can't put a size, you can't put a measure on somebody's heart. And you, you think of guys, Pazzi, when we played that are small guys, I think of Darren Fleury, he played for the Flames. I think of, uh, I played with Chris Draper. He wasn't that big. He go up against a lot of guys, um, a lot of smaller goalies too. It, it, it's it's how you play, how you compete, how, how you go out there and battle night in and night out that matters yeah. most. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I want to go back to your so your your rookie year now on the show. Like you talked about it briefly there, but mm-hmm. you know, at twenty years old, after after a year in the minors, you I mean you gave credit to Alan Bester, which is great. You I mean I looked at your stats. I mean I don't know what the league stats were like at that time, but you know it wasn't like you lit it up in the no. NHL. If I'm going to be honest, right? So now you're up in the NHL at twenty. Uh, the, an injury happens, you go up there, and then you end up getting the start uh, in the playoffs. Oh yeah, I was well. They trade for Bob Asenza, another great guy. I got to play with. We traded Tim Chevalier to Winnipeg for him, and I, and I was not expecting to play that year. Now I go back to the lessons learned. So Asenza started, and I, you know, wasn't. I would put it this way: practicing the best. Uh, wasn't exactly ready, thinking I wasn't going. And I'm 20 years old. Scotty Bowman's a coach. There's no way. Traded for Bob Asenza. Well, all of a sudden I'm in there. Played played good the first game, but really was up and down the whole time because I really wasn't ready. I mean, I was, wasn't ready mentally, but wasn't ready with my practice habits and wasn't doing the stuff that I needed to do to really be on my game, to be able to go in there and play. And that's something I learned moving forward. It's a shame you got to do it right when the camera's on you though, but um, that's part of it. Um, 
but, but really learn a lesson there. Hey, I, I got to practice real hard every day. I got to put an extra work and be ready. And I, and that whole series against them, I was just getting by because I wasn't, like I said before, I, I, I was, I, I was a good rookie goalie, put it that way. I wasn't a great rookie goalie. I was good. And I was, and I knew I had to get a lot better Went in and I played good at times and not so good at times. And that would be a pretty much a, my right. honest way of summing that up. Uh, and it was a great experience for me, not only on the ice, but off the ice and mentally learn, Hey, I got a lot of things that I got to do better. Right. And I got and I got to get better at being better prepared for when I'm not playing better prepared when I'm playing and, and, and get myself, if you want to be an NHL player, you gotta be ready for anything. And at all times, because if you're not, they're going to eat you up in a hurry. And uh, I, I think in, in a loss, we talk about um, things that may seem negative at the time. And that was a first round loss to San Jose that they were just been in the league. We had a very good team. That was a tough pill to swallow. But the, the positives of the positives from that were, you know, learning, Hey, I can play in the playoffs. I got th- through maybe the one of the, the toughest series losses that I'm probably going to endure. Well, there were some other tough ones though along the way, but and I can, and I learned, Hey, you can do this. You got, but, but you have to do these things. And I always make lists. I have to do these things if I want to get to the next level, or if I don't, I'm going to still do the same thing over and over again. So you, you don't want to repeat your failures. You want to learn from them and get better from them. Right. I mean, and just for those listening who, uh, who don't I mean, remember that series. I mean, 94, you guys did have a really strong squad. Yeah. Um, 20 year old Chris Osgood ends up getting in the, in the, between the pipes against San Jose and upstart team. And you guys go to game seven and I'm sorry to do this to you, but Hey, that's the way it goes. You've seen it before. I mean, you come out of the net in the third period, you play a puck up the boards and Jamie Baker puts in the back of the net three, two, and you guys can't come back and tie it. So I have no idea what that was like or what kind of questions you had to um. answer to that but i mean at that age and at that level and to kind of have the spotlight on you in in that negative kind of way that must have been like i don't know how did you deal with that or who did you talk to Um, or what was even scotty like with you or the guys how did that go that was fine i mean i wasn't i I, the thing is that was maybe one of my best games that series was the last game um so i wasn't really and and you think of mistakes or bad goals it, it it really wasn't the mistake was i didn't get back to the net fast enough I, you, I was in junior, you can watch your pass and admire your plays and, and check things out in NHL. There's no waiting. They don't wait for that and uh, put up the boards and kind of floated back to the net. Like everyone's going to be fine. And it wasn't fine. And that was what I learned from that is always make your play quick, get back to the net. And it's, yeah. it's a, sh- and I think it's like everything. It's you, you never really know until it happens. You can go through it in your head. You can talk about it. But once it happens to you, then you're like, hey, that's right. My goalie coach said that to me. But you don't really do it until it happens. And unfortunately, it happened in that situation in the worst possible time. But I learned, hey, you got to make solid plays and quick plays and fast. And everything's got to be done quicker because this isn't junior. This isn't the AHL. The, The margin for error is so slight and so thin. That, that you got to be ready. So I took from that series is I got to be ready even when I'm not playing. I got to be better prepared. I got to work harder in practice. And and, and when I'm in the net, play's got to be quick and you got to be, right. be really, really sharp mentally and physically when you're in there. If not, you're not going to last. Right. 
No, yeah, well, good for you. And that's interesting that you bring that up because I, when I was watching the clip, I was like, you didn't, you didn't look like you were, you know, like what you just said, like didn't like you were getting back in that quick. And and I and I found that, uh, I found oh. that in, interesting and and ironic. But you know what? I mean, I, I think there's like a there's a heartbeat level for a goalie too that I think is part of a personality or part mm-hmm. of a guy that's, you know. I don't know what the right word is maybe laid back and it's not probably the right word, but like somebody who's just stays calm enough in there, you know, and yeah. I, I'll, I'll get to a quote by a Darren McCarty with the year you won, but uh, mm-hmm. just saying that you were kind of the, the team took on your personality that nothing really rattled you. And I think, I mean, maybe, maybe you not getting back in the net quick enough was a little bit yeah. of part of your personality too, you know, yeah. like it's kind of interesting how to balance that. Right. Yeah. I'm pretty laid back. Uh, I don't. And I think also at that point in my career, I mean, you, you, you put in the work, you've kind of have that, that body of work, not only on the ice, off the ice that enables you to do that. I could do that in a way. Cause I knew I was ready. I'd put in the work. I was prepared. And, and, and not only does it prepare you physically, but mentally it calms your mind, calms your brain. When you know you're ready, you put in the work and you have nothing that's not in your mind, tricking you and making you worry. Right. Then you can play at that level. And when you haven't prepared yourself and anything or got ready or, 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 uh, put in the practice then you're second guessing yourself and that's that's noise in your your head that's going to affect the way you play so that year i had known i'd done everything i could do to prepare myself to get ready in case i had to go in for dom so when i went in in nashville i wasn't even questioning myself that i was going to play good i just knew it and that was a big difference compared to what we just talked about in 94 and other series i'd played in that i learned that hey working trying to stop every puck in practice not that I was Dominic Kasich, but being as close as I could to him in practice was making right. me better prepared for games. What um, actually we are live here and I haven't even mentioned it yet. And, and there has been some comments coming in. So, you know, we're live on my Facebook uh, group here, my, my mm-hmm. hockey parent group and also my personal channel. And, and I'll show one of the questions here from from Nick. Um, he says, ask Ozzy what he thinks the next evolution of goaltending is going to be. Can it evolve into something more than it is now? Well, it always has to. Um, you see the goalies that move where they go down on their knees. Sometimes it goes in short side, but they're playing the odds. Um, I, I think you're going to see goalies become even more athletic than they already are. Uh, you're, you're seeing a guy like Corpus Allo in in Columbus, ultra athletic, lanky arms. Um, and you're going to see very rarely, I think, are you going to see a guy run the table the entire time in the playoffs. It's too difficult. Um, the days of goalies playing 60 games in the regular season, too hard. Uh, the teams are too close. The games are too difficult. Uh, and the way the game's played, it's wide open now. There's no clutching and grabbing. These guys are seeing 20, 25 grady opportunities a night. So I think you're going to see a lot of two platoon goalies now where they're each going to play 40, but either guy can play in the playoffs. You're gonna, it's not going to be that clear cut, number one. Maybe right. Montreal has that with Carey Price, but you even see him now. 60 games is a lot for him to play. I feel if he'd play less, you'd see more of a, a an A-plus carry price on most nights than maybe you do now. Uh, I think that's the evolution of goaltending is 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 not t- necessarily taller. I'm thinking you're thinking 6'2", 6'4", lanky, real athletic, but not playing as many games because it, it's just too difficult. And you're going to see in the playoffs – they're not going to be afraid to platoon switch on and off. If maybe they lose a the game. The other guy goes right. in because there's just, and I hate, I, and it, it's true. There's more better way to put it. Better goalies. Now top to bottom in the world right now, there's a lot of really, really good goalies, not only in the NHL, 
but just out of the NHL as well. So you're going to see every each and every year these guys coming up into the league and saying that the league is so good now that you have Carter Hart in Philadelphia. That's a rarity. You're not going to see that very often, a 20, 21-year-old coming to the league. It takes six, seven years from the time these guys are drafted, Posey, now to make it and really establish himself. That's how long it took Corpus Allo. You, you think of uh, Vancouver's goalie, Markstrom. It's take him a long time. He was in Florida taking his lumps. Now he's kind of arrived as well. So you think yeah. they get drafted at 18. Now they're arriving at 26 before it was 22, 23. So you're going to see the goalies, when they do get to the league, they're going to be real ready. Yeah, no, I agree. And they're going to have to get more athletic. I mean, that's the thing. It kind of, there was that age of the of the blocking, right? Everyone was just yeah. blocking the puck. And, and now I think that just the way the shooters are, how quick the game is, yeah. I mean, you can be in the right spot, but you're still going to have to be able to move and react to it. Yeah, you know, yeah. and I think that, that athleticism is going to come back yeah, a little probably, more, I think. I agree with you. Because we're only seeing the first wave of talent from the players. It's coming again. And they're up, up and down each and one of these lineups now. You're going to see a huge amount of talent. So if you're a goalie coming in the league, you got to be – ultra athletic and really focused and in great shape when um after that one season they brought they brought mike vernon in um mm-hmm. who, had, who had won a cup already with uh with the flames and, yeah. and you mentioned that you had you had the benefit of playing with some great some great guys he was 10 years your senior there and like i said already <laughs> a cup winner like what was it like for for having him come in there and and what how was he with you personally was was he was did he take oh, you under his wing a little yeah, bit he was outstanding i mean another guy um, Ken Holland brought him in, um, from Calgary where he won a cup. And at that time, you know, you're like, I, I want to be the starter. I want to play all the games. And, you know, that's the nature of your, your personality when you're in the NHL, but you look back, it was the best thing for me, Mike Vernon. And, and gosh, did I ever want to play 96 in the playoffs? I'd had a good year. Mike got hurt during the season. Scotty Bowen went with him and he was a veteran guy, uh, had won a cup with Calgary. Uh, my record against Colorado wasn't great at the time. He, Mike Vernon, now that I look back on it, had a better chance of beating Patrick Waugh and the Avalanche than I did at the time in 96. And Vernie, I ended up winning the Constance. played outstanding, especially in that series, played just fabulous. Uh, but on and off the ice taught me a ton. Um, different than Dominic Hasek for sure, but really focused, uh, real competitive, and just kind of off the ice. And the biggest thing you'll take from the best goalies is – they don't worry about a heck of a lot off the ice. They don't worry about anything until they play the game. And they don't waste any of their time or energy on worrying about the game until it starts. Because it's difficult as it is to play that you don't want to waste your mind prior to when you actually have to go out there and use it to focus and really concentrate on the puck and what's happening. And Mike Vernon was the best at just blowing off a bad game, blowing off a bad goal, just continuing to play well. So, And, and he is one of those guys that, once again, real fortunate to have gotten an opportunity to play with and a big reason why, why I was able to, to do as well as I could. And a testament to him is he got traded after he, he won the con Smythe in Detroit to San Jose. And when we played in 98 and, and won, he was the first guy calling me all the time. Hello there. Just a short break to say thank you for listening. I hope you're enjoying the conversation with Chris. I just wanted to also make the request to press pause and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't. Uh, Share it in your social media if you haven't already. Or 
even better, write a review on iTunes if you're listening on an Apple device. It really helps uh, spread the message. It really helps raise the podcast in the search engines and gets more ears uh, on the podcast, which is what it's all about, which is why I spend the time doing this. So young kids can learn from others and parents can learn from others and hockey fans can enjoy hearing about the the people side of the game of sports. So uh, once again, thanks so much for being here. Do what you can to support the podcast. Uh, I do appreciate you listening, but it's also great if you can promote it. All right, back to the show. Right. Each and every night. So, I mean, another guy and uh, a great guy and well-deserving number retired with the Calgary Flames. When I, when I mean, you're, you're so humble. I mean, I, I got to bring it up because it's, it's, I think it would have been a big thing for you on a personal level. Like that, mm-hmm. that year you said that, that Vernie got hurt. So the year before you guys go to the final um, yeah. in 95 and you get swept by, who was it now? The devils, the devils. Yeah. yeah. So the devils sweep you. Hey, just a quick, uh, so of all the stars you had on that team, do you remember who, who would you have said led the team in scoring that year? The year in you the guys playoffs? got swept by the devils. Who? In the playoffs? No, who? in the regular season. In the regular season. Hmm. In the regular season, not not Keith Primo, did he? Paul Coffey did. Paul Coffey did. Well, he probably had about seventy assists. Well, he? yeah, Fedorov, Iserman, like you mean yeah. all, all these names there, and that just tells you, like, God, God, was he a good player? Hey, Coff, just yeah, unreal. I would have never have guessed that. Well, and, and back then, you talk about how guys skate now. Well, he he was one of the few guys that could skate like they all do skate now. Uh, yeah. his, his edges was unbelievable. I remember he used to sharpen his own skates. He wore a skate the size too small. His toes just took a beating in his skates, but that's the way he liked it. And I remember once in training camp, a young rookie took a slap shot. You know, the scrimmages used to play. Hit him right in the toe cap, Posse. He skated right to the corner of the rink, opened up the gate, and left. He was done for the day. That was it. <laughs> he can't fool around with his feet or his skates. He was, those were his money makers and what that's made awesome. him so good. But unbelievable offensive defenseman. Yeah, unreal. But, but, but back to that year. So Vernon gets hurt. You play 50 games of the regular season that year. Yeah. Um, you're you're second in the Vezina Trophy voting by six yep. votes. Like you're almost voted the best goaltender in the NHL at mm-hmm. 22 years old, and you don't get the start no. for the playoffs. Well, Scotty Bowman's a coach, and he knows what to do, right? And he, at the time, I remember assistant coach uh, Dave Lewis said because Scotty didn't want to tell me. Well, he did, but he didn't. So Dave Lewis told me. He said you're. He told Vernie's a green, and I was at. A, I, I was. Uh, Amber, I was at the light waiting. That was his way of putting it. So I was sour. I wasn't playing for sure because I played so well. I felt like this was my time to arrive. It's my turn. And then it's 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 funny, and, and you should have that. You should have that because you want you should want to play. But then you look back on it and you say, was, was like was I like really ready like to to backstop that team? Maybe maybe not at the time. The next year I was, but at that time maybe I wasn't. Um, and and Vernie, who had won in Calgary. He was that, I don't want to say grizzled veteran. That's not the right way to put it. That veteran presence he had in the net where he was unflappable. Was I unflappable at that time? Probably not. I mean, I think I was. I acted like I was, but I wasn't. Right. Um, in 08, I was. But that was that was when I was Mike Vernon in 08. <laughs> you, know, you know, like, so at the time, I wasn't. And he was. And I remember watching him play in the playoffs. I was like, wow, that's, that's what I got to do. I got to bounce back like that. I got to not worry about a thing and just continue to play and not worry about what anybody says or not worry, worry about who says what about me before the game. Cause Vernon just went and played and our team was so good. They just focused on Mike Vernon playing net and, and there was lots of pressure on him and he just went out and played. 
And his best series was against Colorado, who we struggled to beat at the time prior to that. So it took a lot from him. And he uh, and, and kind of took on, no, I didn't take on his personality, but it took a lot of his traits into the next year when I played in, in, in 1998, kind of took things that he did and incorporated him into how I approached the playoffs. Yeah, cool. I want to get in 98, but I also want to give you some credit for that. That was your all-star nod, too. So, I mean, so that year you oh, almost win the Vesna. You, you get it. in the all-star game. Like, how cool you know, was you know, that experience? The only thing worse than the all-star games, Posse, is playing the black tees at Ken Holland's tournaments. That's the only <laughs> thing that's worse. It, I, I, for anybody out there, if they ever want to be – you'd never want to be a goalie in an all-star game. It's completely torturous. You're, you're the only guy on the ice that can look really, 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 really bad. <laughs> and so – and I did a few times. Oh, my gosh. But that game, they actually played defense still. And Ray Bork, I believe, scored the game winner. It was like 5-4. It was a great game. A backhander in Boston. It was unbelievable. Um, and then we went to Cheers after, which was a good time. But <laughs> but the, I'm watching these All-Star games now. I'm like, these three-on-threes puzzle. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Uh, how how would you go if you're a goalie? But um, that was a great experience and at that All-Star game in Boston. That was the first time I met Wayne Gretzky ever. He asked me for $100, $100 to tip the trainers, I was like, I think I was 20, however old, I'm very old. I had no idea you tipped the train. I knew you did, but not at the all-star game. I had no money on me. So I was all rattled. Like, how do you, Wayne, I have no money on me. It's like grew up watching Wayne Gretzky play. Traded for one of his cards in my in elementary school <laughs> in fourth grade, 10 cards for one Wayne Gretzky. And now I'm sitting there, he's asking me for money to tip a trainer. I didn't know what to say. Completely rattled. Yeah. Yeah, that's hilarious. I mean, what was that? I've asked a few of my other guests that. I mean, mm-hmm. I know for me, it was a big... I never, I wasn't able to actually get over that hurdle of like belonging with these guys that I grew up idolizing, yeah. you know, and feeling like you're supposed to be there and being on that same ice. I mean, that the All Star game must have been, must have been crazy because you're surrounded by every one of those guys that you grew yeah, up. Yeah, you're, you're watching. surrounded by guys. Surrounded. Looking, you know what? The first thing I'm sitting in the dressing room, pausing, I'm like, half these guys played in the Canada Cup. You remember watching the Canada Cup series? These things were unbelievable. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like, what? And then you're like. Should I even be here right now? It's like a different level of just in awe sitting in a room. And then, and, and you shouldn't be nervous because it's supposed to be a fun game, but now you're watching Ray Borks out there and all these guys, Bern Shannon his prime was there too. And a great player. But beyond that, it was some unreal talent out there and just legendary guys. And you're like, what is going on right now? Am I, where am I? I was six years ago. I'm, Jason Bedolin scoring two goals on me in Spokane. I guess just to see. <laughs> now I'm sitting here in the dressing room and Wayne Gretzky's across from me. This isn't even like it's for sure it is. And it's one of those things that you have to get used to and have to adapt to for sure. It's one thing to go and play the game because you're just playing. It's another thing to get over that hump of, of knowing you belong and knowing you can do it at that level. And if you don't get to that point, Pazzi, it's hard, hard to make it in that league. Yeah, they. I heard a really good interview with uh, Martin St. Louis, which I am a massive fan of him and a yeah. massive fan of his story. But like the evolution of him, he said like his mind, like the mindset aspect of the game, and at mm-hmm. that level was like the biggest thing that held him back, like the belief, right? That one, he's supposed yeah. to be there, and then two, to allow himself to believe the possibility of like winning a Hart Trophy or being yeah. that guy, you know, that he turned into and the Hall of Famer that he did, and. um it's hard for guys. I mean, yeah. it's hard to find that belief. And I think there needs to be a good support system around you. I think that, you know, your players need to believe in you too. The coaches need to believe in yeah. you. They're, 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 and you got to believe in yourself, obviously too. I mean, it has to come from within, but there, I think there's a few other things that, that got to be there for the runway to be long enough for you to kind of get there. You know, Yeah, you can, you can really tell the teams that believe in playing now and the ones that don't 
Uh, now, from a personal level, we go back to 96. I, I thought I could do it. I, I wanted to do it, but I, I didn't really believe like, wow, I hundred percent. I could, I mean, Mike Vernon, he knew he could, he already did it. Uh, right. But in order to get there, you got, you got to take these steps and it's slow and, it, and it's meticulous and it's frustrating at times. Uh, it's a good lesson. You got to stick with it. You got to continue. And I always said to myself, no matter what I do, I'm going to enjoy the journey. I'm going to enjoy however I get there or wherever it takes me. I'm going to enjoy it. Cause if you don't do that, it gets too frustrating. You get too angry. You get, you, you, you get yourself into places where you can't succeed because you get in your own head and you start questioning yourself and, and, and then you, you, you create so much havoc and chaos inside your own brain that you can't perform or get to that spot even where you give yourself an opportunity to, to succeed and be there. And, and it's tough and um, it, it's, it's difficult to explain sometime, but I really didn't believe until after we won in 1998 where I'm, okay, I can play against anybody. I can beat anybody. I can do this now. Um, and that was five, six years into my career. And uh, then when I changed my game, like we talked about at the top of the show, I, it took me a year and a half, almost two, till I'm like, okay, I can play against anybody. I can win a series. I can play in this. I remember Manny Legacy was playing against Edmonton. Uh, we lost a series, and I was, and I'd hurt my groin in practice. And I was like, and, and he was up and down. I might go in, I might not go in. I'm like, oh my God. I, I didn't have the same belief I did in 08 because I was still in transition to my game. I was not like, if I go in, I'm going to win for sure. And that's what you need to have that when you're in the NHL. I was like, well, maybe if I go in, maybe I'll get by the first period. Maybe I'll get by this. Maybe I'll, if you, if you're doing that, you've already beaten yourself. You got to get yourself to that point where you're not questioning anything in your mind, just going in and playing. So you're always reinvent yourself. You're always on some type of journey, some type of path that you just got to keep battling, keep grinding. And the old mentality is true though. You never give up ever. Ever. How important is is that fun word, even at the pro level, like to to keep it, to yeah. keep it fun. You gotta have humility. You gotta laugh at yourself sometimes, because God, I've let in goals from every ounce of where that rink is, everywhere <laughs> from the time I was in Pee Wee. I I can talk about goals that are the most ridiculous goals that I, I'm like, how did that happen? But they happen, and you gotta laugh at yourself. You, you're talking about the goal against San Jose. I'm not laughing at the time about that, but afterwards I'm like, that was ridiculous that the way I went back to the net and learned from it. You got to have a little humility where you can laugh at yourself and learn from it and, and get better from it. I was, Ken Holland was, and you know, Kenny as well, he, probably the biggest influence in my career and always talking to me and always motivating me and always telling me something I need to know. And sometimes he'd say nothing to me, but he'd always say, move on to the next thing, move on to the next thing, play every five minutes. Um, just keep battling. And, and he was a guy that he was real simplistic in the way he did things, but right to the point and, and really helped me get through those times in 98. Cause God, I let in two goals that were, one was from the Detroit river, I believe from there. And one I let in, in Dallas, that was actually shot from Austin, Texas. And uh, <laughs> in overtime again. So uh, yeah. And then you got to turn around and go back and play game six. So I already said to me, just go play. And I got that in my mentality. Did I love those moments? No. I mean, they were tough, but they made me better in the end where you just got to, and I always said to myself, enjoy the journey. It's happening for a reason. It's toughing you up. It's making you better. Don't let it beat you. Don't let it beat you. You got to keep moving forward and keep battling. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, you got there. I mean, a little quicker than I was, than I was going to get there, but that, 
that was like that could have been and i'm talking now about that game five goal yeah. against dallas right before yeah. so you guys are in the semifinals. um what year is it? it's 98 yes yeah, yeah. 98 so 98 you guys are in in the in the semis you're up kind of a little bit comfortably i guess i think yeah. right three to three one or whatever yeah, three, and, one, yeah. Yeah. and then yeah langenburner scores in overtime from the from the red line um yeah. And for those of you who haven't seen it, was the puck missing the net, do you think, or not? Oh, by a mile. I remember okay. Don Cherry said it. For some reason, Don Cherry became my fan in that playoffs. I don't know why. Maybe because everybody's being hard on me. But he said, well, it skipped and it bounced. That's a real difficult play. You know, only he could talk. I'm like, Don, thanks. But that was a really bad goal. There's no getting around it. Like, just kind of – and it was back to that, like, not, like, sharp all the time. Not, like, on it all the time. Because I was I, – I put it this way. I out of a 10, I was about a seven as a practice player then. I wasn't always on my game in practice. I wasn't always like really meticulous like a Dominic Hasek would be. Cause that's what it takes to play in the NHL. You got to be on it every day. You got to be practicing hard. You got to be on your game. And I was fortunate to be able to learn from my mistakes. And people were patient enough with me to get to that point where then I practiced really hard every day and got better and competed. And, right. Okay. Uh, but I'm going to stop you on that one because you didn't have chance to practice your way out of that one. Right. So you, you knock no. a puck in that's going wide in overtime no. and now you got to go back and play game six. I, I remember I'm walking around cause in Dallas, you, you leave the net, you got to go all the way around the rink to your dressing room. And I'm walking and I'm like, are you effing kidding me right now? Like out of all, that was my best game too, Posse. Like it was like, it was like playing around a golf and you're, you're about to shoot par and you get a nine in the last hole. That was my best game in the playoffs. I'm like, what and I remember I wasn't questioning it. I was saying, I I I questioned. I asked myself a question: Why is this happening to me? Why, why? I kind of like I I I didn't I, I wouldn't get it. I was kind of like I played one of my best games. It was two one. They tip in late to make it two two. Then that happens in overtime, and I was like, it, I and, I, and then I, as I'm walking around, I got to myself. You know, what? this is a challenge. I'm gonna learn. I'm gonna take this, and it's gonna make me better. And I'm gonna move on to the next game. Was I upset? Yeah, for sure I was. I was disappointed walking around there. But I was more like, why and what am I going to do now? That's what I went to right after that game. And I, the younger version of me wouldn't have did that. The right. San Jose series wouldn't have did that. And it was it, it, It's weird how things happen. Like that rink had the longest walk and that happened. You know, where usually you're in the dressing room right away. The gear is flying off. And, and I had time like to really, really question myself as to, okay, why did it happen? And what are you going to do now? And that's awesome, man. And, and it was kind of, like, it was good. And I said, you know what? I'm, I, I was kind of like, you know, screw this. I'm going to get better from this. And I'm going to show everybody that I can bounce back from this. And I'm going to do it. And that's exactly what I said to myself. I got to the room, took off my equipment and, and, and said, I'm going to play the best game of my life the next game. That's awesome, man. And you did. I mean, that was a great, that was a great game. You had two in great in game six. Yeah. And I just want to echo that for, for the young athletes listening, even the parents, right? Like, I talk about two things when I'm working with my with my clients one on one, and and one is closing the gap. I say so it's not not closing the gap as a defenseman would on a forward, but closing the gap yeah. with the event that happens to you, right? Yeah. Like, how long does it take you to apply a meaning to that that's going to work for you, right? Because if it takes yeah. you two weeks, like in your scenario, you're done. You're out of the playoffs. You're, you're golfing, you're right? Yeah. So you have to be really good at finding a way to close the gap on that. And, and you were able to do it in a walk around the arena. And the second thing I talk about is the perspective, right? Like you got to give meaning to that that works for you, yeah. right? Because you the meaning it could have given you, uh, somebody a younger version of Ozzy was, you know what, I'm not ready. I fail in the big moments. Um, you know, I don't have the focus. 
an older version says, no, no, no I'm going to learn from this and I'm going to show you one that, that, you know, that's not who I am and I'm going to come back better than ever the next game. You know, like yeah. those two meanings are, the, I mean, it, it depends on what you want to give it. Right. And so you yeah. chose to give it a meeting that empowered you. And that's, I mean, that's a veteran goaltender. Well, right and, and, and well, at that moment, I mean, I, I tell young kids that I call, you can either choose to go one way or the other. And if you'd go the one way, that way could last, like you said, for two weeks, or you can nip this right now and we can move on and start to play really good from here on out or compete or, and, and, and play the way that you would like to. And winning isn't always winning. That's what people forget about that. Winning is doing the right things to get yourself ready to compete and play at the highest level, make yourself a better person, make yourself a better player. It's hard to win. Winning doesn't happen to a lot of people. I'm very yeah. fortunate. Winning is difficult. Wayne Gretzky played 20 some years and he only won four times. So that means he didn't win a heck of a lot. I mean, he's the greatest player arguably of all time, but it's hard to win. So how are you going to win and accomplish your goals and be successful even when you don't? That's the key. Right. Yeah, 100%. Because you, you can do everything right, really, and, and obviously not well, win. And know? especially now, it was easier. We, we play one, plays eight. You know, it'd be an upset of eight. You, in the playoffs now, in most sports, you can play really good in the first round and lose. I mean, these teams lose everybody. What's wrong with this team? I said, not, they played really well. They just lost. The games are so close now. So I think even more so for when I played, these younger kids now, the, the, the margin of error and the margin of winning and losing is so fine that it becomes, a, not, not I don't want to say a mental struggle, but it becomes frustrating at times probably because they put in the training, they do the work, they play well, and then they don't get rewarded. Well, then where do you go from there? Yeah. So it becomes difficult at times. So you really got to stay positive and have goals and achievements and things that are going to bring you confidence just besides winning. Right. hundred percent. I mean, that's, uh, th that's kind of falling in love with the process is kind of the way I put it. Yeah. Right. I mean, like r really, really enjoy that process. And then if you do get the results, that is great. But I mean, but you can't, you can't tie your, you can't hitch your wagon to uh, to results all the time because you said they're, they're so elusive, right? You, you might yeah. you might do the right things and not get those wins or those shutouts that you want, but it doesn't mean you're doing doing things wrong. Yeah, and over time, if you continue to do good things over and over again, be positive, uh, continue to work, make yourself a better person on and off the ice, be a good teammate, do the things that are right and are going to make you successful, winning will come eventually. It will be even more satisfying. Right. I know I agree. And there's a, a, a Facebook uh user on here from my group it says how would you work with kids to, to define good especially when they are measured on wins or losses i mean i think maybe i'll answer the last part of that i mean mm -hmm. especially when they're younger you definitely do not want to define no, uh, measure wins and losses right no not even close that shouldn't even be in the equation when you're playing it's all about uh, working hard in practice being a good teammate listening to your coaches at any age listen to your coaches really um but i i always define be a good teammate be a good person be a beat compete uh play it's easy to, to to be down on somebody when they're playing poorly it's it's the the person the kid the the, the athlete the, the hockey player that goes up to somebody and pats them on the shoulder or puts her arm around them on the bench or maybe something goes wrong or it doesn't go good that, that's how you 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 validate success and 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 moving forward and when you do all those things and and you listen and practice and you compete and you're ready on time and you're doing the right things and you're, and you're, and you're being, like I said, a good teammate, a good competitor, a good friend, then the winning comes. It doesn't go winning first and all that stuff. Second. I know you have a young, you have a young son named Max who's, who was between the pipes for a little bit. I think he's, he's played, 
now, but I mean, if you say he was a little bit older, say you had a son yeah. who was 14 playing goal, starting to be competitive. Like what would be those markers for you um, that you'd like him to try and focus on? Like, let's say in a game. So let's say we're still not worried about wins and losses per se, yeah. but what would be mini goals for a goaltender to focus on in a no, game. Like, well, I knew he was doing the right thing. Just like, well, how do you play? Like what, what, what do you do? Your five things that you do on a nightly basis or daily basis when you're in a game that you do over and over and over and over again very well, whether that's um, I play the puck well, I stay focused, I make big saves, uh, I make my teammates better, um, I can steal a game for my my teammates or a period. It's not you, you have to have the foundation before you can have the winning and the success, and that's working hard in practice as a goalie competing, making sure you're ready, being a good teammate even when you're not playing, um, supporting your partner. A lot, of, a, a lot of things go in to getting to the point of winning. A lot of people think, and parents and young kids, you, you're just going to win. You, and then all that comes. That comes after. Win, winning comes after all that other stuff. And as a goalie, you want to make sure you have that solid foundation of what you do, whether it's whether whichever way you play, which maybe is – I mean, a lot of them are stand-up now – I have a great butterfly. I'm always focused. I, I'm on the puck. I'm playing the puck the right way. I'm getting myself back to the net. I'm doing certain things in the course of a game that I do over and over and over and over and over again to make myself successful. Right. When you when you talk about the, the working hard and, uh, you know, I think there's a standard there, like you said, like you might have, you might, I mean, I, I know that myself too, like you might have thought you were a hard worker until you yeah. saw someone like Dominic Asa come and be like, yeah. oh, maybe I'm not that hard of a worker, right? So like- yeah. I, Hard work is an interesting, fuzzy word because it, it means different things to different people. But yeah. it, in the in the course of a practice, and again, this is for maybe the younger goaltenders out there, and maybe anyone trying to get better at anything. Uh, do you recommend like trying to focus on one or two things in a practice to these young guys, like whether it's an angle or like hitting your spot or you know, like whatever that thing is, instead of worrying about everything at once? Like, do you try and key in on a couple things? What would you suggest, or what would the way? Yeah, you as a goalie, if if the puck goes in, focus on the next one and be focused on that. Don't worry about, because especially for younger goalies, the practices are real random. The shooters love to go high now. Sometimes the drills get backed up. Guys are shooting two pucks at once. Don't get yourself frustrated about stuff you can't control in practice. Control what you can control as a goalie. And that's just working hard, getting to your spot on your feet, getting having, your, having good edges, um, competing on every puck. If they go in, get back up and find the next one. Don't get frustrated. Pucks are going to go in and practice. Practice is real random for goalies at times when you're in a in a practice with your teammates. The pucks are going to go in. Don't get frustrated. Continue to play. Continue to battle. And if you do that, if you have that mindset and practice that you're never going to give up on a puck, maybe try and make three or four saves that are just unbelievable diving across the net, maybe out of your box a little bit. So when it, all of a sudden in a game, you're going to start to get a few of those that might win you a game. So just never giving up on pucks, always battling and don't get down on yourself in practice. If it right. goes in, move on. Let's find the next puck and let's make a save. Yeah. Like again, like I said, like close the gap, right? Like get yeah. over it, move on to the next one. You got to be able to turn the page, especially yeah. in your position, like more so than any other position. You can't be dwelling on anything for sure. Um, I want to I want to fast forward now to oh wait well but in the meantime and I don't want to gloss over it and I think one of the maybe a good transition from that is you know you leave you leave Detroit in the Stanley Cup you end up going to um, New York and you end up going to St Louis then you come back to Detroit yeah during your time away because I mean you 
you don't really understand the environment you're in until you leave it, you know, and then you come back. Like, did you notice a big difference with culture and with the places you were outside of Detroit um, while you were gone? Well, I noticed how lucky I was when I left. And I'm not saying that because the places I I were at weren't good. I going to New York at that time was the best thing for me. I was the second oldest player on the team or third oldest. Uh, They had a lot of young guys that hadn't won yet. Um, that were real eager to win and worked real hard. I think they got Pekka, Yashin, and Okoye, and a lot of good defensemen that were very underrated too that helped in, in my success there. Um, but it's a complete flip-flop to what I was used to. We are a veteran team. You're new. You're making the playoffs every year. The Islanders, I think, finished 30, 30th the year before I got there. Uh, we made the playoffs that year. There's guys that never played a playoff game. I was like, took it for granted. So I'd say the things I took, St. Louis had a very good team. We, we made the playoffs both, year there, both years there, but a very difficult division with Detroit and Chicago. But it, I, I said to myself, I've never taken anything for granted again. And I took winning for granted in Detroit. I, we, we got so used to it. We were making the playoffs. Yeah, we had some upsets in the playoffs, losing, but winning all these games in the regular season, making the playoffs was a guarantee. And then you, you forget, you kind of get numb to it. And then I said, I'm never going to take that for granted. I'm never going to think that's get used to get used to it because it's difficult. Guys go their whole career without winning or playing in the playoffs a lot. So I, I, when I came back to Detroit, I I had a real mindset of, um, I'm going to really, really enjoy my time back here and, and, and not take anything for granted again and really put my best foot forward and really, however long I was going to play, finish the right way on my terms. Right. No, good for you. And in 08, you know, which we, we got to talk about that because mm-hmm. that was, like you said, you were ready. I mean, a lot of things had happened. You'd, you'd, you'd gone, you'd come back. You'd already won a cup as a starter. Now you have Hasek in there, who everyone knows is going to be a Hall of Famer, maybe one of the best goalies to ever play. And uh, he is a, you know, he is a tough start, right? In the playoffs, yeah. year, and you go in and you essentially run the table. I think you win your first eight in a row. Uh, or something like that. And that's also the year you fight Patrick Waugh, correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was just before the playoffs I did. And I think, no, I think it was in 98 I fought him, actually, because it was back-to-back. Vernie fought him, then I fought him the next year, and it was really not at all planned. Yeah, Larry Onoff had started it, of all people, but um, we had a huge rival with Colorado then. It was the only other rival that I would say – was close to that is the Islanders Rangers. And, and you know what I'm talking about. It's ridiculous. And, uh, but every time we played Colorado, something happened. I think it just came down to you had two teams that really wanted to win really badly. And had very good players up and down the lineup, almost identical teams. Um, you had the skilled players, the Hall of Fame players, and you had the tough nosed checkers, the veteran checkers. You had guys that could fight. So really matched up really well against each other but just went head to head nonstop. And uh, those were fun, real enjoyable. My one and only fight posse never had another one. Thank goodness. I was exhausted. Felt like I was going to throw up after I, Oh I re- my God, I, is that I, hard? Isn't it? I really had a new respect for uh, the fighters. I always did have respect for guys, Probert and guys who used to have a front seat to watch and get in all these great fights that I got a chance to play with, but to actually do it once I was like, I remember I came in the dressing room. I thought I was going to throw up. I said, told the trainer, I said, I am never, ever fighting again. Ever. It was a whole new respect. And it was a lot of fun playing in that series and playing against uh, Colorado and Patrick Waugh and all those great players. But uh, once again, real fortunate to be part of stuff like that. 
Oh my gosh. I mean, those, those that series, you I mean, how many hall of famers was on the ice? You know, like it's, that's a, that was a crazy, yeah. crazy, crazy time and some yeah. unbelievable teams. And uh, what I thought was interesting about that in my, in my research for, for our conversation here today, Ozzy, mm-hmm. is that I found you interviewing Patrick Waugh oh, yeah. um, when he came through to Detroit and <laughs> you guys had never, uh, well, it sounded like you guys had never met face to face like that before. So here you are interviewing who was your childhood idol by the sounds yeah. of it, a guy that you ended up having to fight in the Stanley cup playoffs. And now you're interviewing him on the other side of it. Like what was, what was that experience like for you? Forced. I would say that yeah, I was uh, working for Fox Sports Detroit my first year uh, r- raw and a rookie at what I was doing uh, was not prepared. Me and Ken Daniels, the great play-by-play guy for the Red Wings. We, uh, he helped me write the questions down. I was nervous. I'm not going to lie. I was more nervous for that than I was for my first game in Toronto. I'm like, what? I, I, cause I've never done it. I have no idea how to interview somebody. It's completely out of my realm. I've been interviewed, so I kind of know that. But uh, I had these questions. Then I kind of said, just kind of just screw it. I'm just going to go out and ask questions that are relevant to how I was playing against each other and whatever else. So uh, I, I wish I could have did it like four years later when I was had a little bit more experience underneath my belt. But right. everything happens at the time. And it went about as well as it could. That's the way I put it. Was he your idol? I mean, you said that. Was that out of respect yeah, it, or, or he was, was he one, your guy? Growing up, Grant Fear was because of Edmonton, Andy Moog. Um, but Patrick Waugh was because he changed the way he played too. He he revolutionized goalie with that butterfly style. A lot of guys stood up. He stood up when he was younger. And then all of a sudden he started doing this butterfly and uh, guys followed. Um, so he was one of those goalies over the course of time that changed the way a generation of goalies played, including myself. Yeah, no, that's wild. And then be able to interview him like that. And I looked at your ages. It's so funny, right? Because hockey happens so fast. There he is, seven years older than you. And I remember my idol was was Mario Lemieux, and he was only 10 years older. I mean, in this yeah. scheme of things, that's not much older. But no. you do have those years watching these guys in front of you, right? And you, you have a chance to to kind of build this this idolhood about them. And now you're on the same ice with them. Or maybe, in your case, even interviewing them after fighting them oh. in the <laughs> playoffs, which oh. is more wild. Um but back to 08 now, like what a, do you think that like, is, is that the, the, you know, the finite, the de- definitive part of your career? If you're to say, Hey, that um, was my best, felt the most comfortable, played my game. Like it was, was 08 playoffs, the run there. Yeah, I think so. I think that whole year, uh, things clicked kind of 07 at the end of the season and 08 right on out of the gate, just, uh, seems like, and 08 was, it was 10 years after we'd won in 98. Uh, so I'd been in two different places, came back in 04, worked on my game. I felt like I was more prepared for that than I was before. So I was, and I was in a spot where you've been through so much that I was, I was strong mentally and I was ready physically in the way I was playing that. And, and nothing really phased me at that time. Um, just needed the opportunity, but wasn't when you're young, you're eager, you're pushing yourself, put me in, put me in, put me in, put me in. Now you're kind of more drawn back. I'm 35. I'm like, I'm ready. And whenever he puts me in, I'm going to play real well. So it's a different mindset where you think you're ready when you're really not. Now you're ready, but you don't know if you're going to get in, but you're not uptight about it. You're not pushing. You're kind of, well, today I'm going to get do this again in practice. I'm going to go with Jim Bedard. I remember the National Series, Jimmy and I would go by myself for like just him and I for an hour just in case I had to go in because team doesn't practice between games sometimes so i go yeah. with just him we'd work on stuff just in case i had to go in to stay sharp so i didn't even have a day off and uh 
enjoyed it. I enjoyed, positive, near the end of my career, I enjoyed practicing. I enjoyed doing all the stuff that got you ready. I wish I could have got to that point earlier in my career. Yeah. And, but it's easier to say that now because you, I didn't know the stuff I knew when I was older, but I enjoyed sure. the work. I enjoyed the work, you know, I enjoyed the going out there with Jimmy Bedard 20 minutes early. I enjoyed staying out late and working on my game and critiquing myself and trying to get better each and every day. And I wish I could have got to that point at 24. It just took me a while longer. Sure. I saw the save in game six there at the end of game six, which I'm sure you it's crystallized in your memory there, but um, Pittsburgh just wouldn't go away. Right. And, oh, and, yeah. and nor should they have, and they were battling and, uh, the refs were helping him out a little bit, and he had that save on Crosby on his backhand, which everyone knows yeah. how ridiculous his backhand is. It was a huge glove save, and then dove to push the puck yeah. away from Hosa there in the in the dying seconds. Was um, well, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't even know what the question is on that. I was just super impressed. Like one, like that that you stopped that shot. Well, this, I mean, the, like that's a hard stop, shot to stop. Um, the, see, everybody always, especially in Detroit, talks about thinks I stopped it or presumes I did when I dove across and it was, I just knocked it away just enough to get it on an angle where you couldn't score. Right. But I'm looking at the clock and now the last three minutes, this is the slowest three minutes ever. They make it three, two. Um, we actually, Brian Rafalski dumps it out of his own with like 11 seconds left, 10 maybe. And they have a guy laying on the ice across our blue. And back then, you know, it's, he'd have to get out. So I'm thinking to myself, there's no way this is going to happen. There's no way. <laughs> It's now it's across their blue line with like nine seconds left. So I take a glance up and I'm just all of a sudden, I think we had a couple guys going on line change. I don't want to say what happened to Nick Lindstrom, the great Nick Lindstrom, Norris Trophy winner, numerous occasions, Hall of Famer. But all of a sudden, Crosby and Hosts of all people got a two on one. I don't know how it happened. I still watch the tape, Posse, and I don't understand it. But <laughs> I say to people, you don't understand, Sidney Crosby might have might have had at that time, the hardest backhander in the league, but of maybe of all time. He, it's almost like a slap shot with his backhand. Yeah. And he's been able to do it for years. And I think he scored a goal with one hand this last year. And uh, I'm telling you, I barely got that. And it just hit my elbow just enough to knock it aside. That was a rocket. Uh, I want to say I was on top of it. I got a little lucky, Podsy, on that one. A little bit right. of luck and, and, and a little and good positioning. Just barely, just barely got enough of that to yeah. get it aside, and uh, and, the, and the thing about that is we lost game five in triple overtime. So to go to overtime again, who knows what's gonna happen? All of a sudden, you know. So it's such close games, and ironically, you go to 09 and the next year, it was almost flip flop. Nick Lindstrom was standing on the goal line with a puck to tie the game up, and Fleury makes a great save. So uh, yeah. those were you two. You told great my son there. I'm just gonna say that's oh, exactly that's exactly I'm get, right. I'm getting ahead of myself, but that series is great too. It was great hockey. Uh, two straight years in a row. I think it was game seven and six, so 13 just unbelievable games to be a part of. Yeah, the backhand, isn't that a, a from a goalie position? Because I, I think I told you that I, I end up buying pads myself and I've, I've put them on <laughs> for, for some men's league. And, and the backhand yeah. is is a really tough thing to get a read on. Uh, and I've noticed, definitely noticed Crosby's backhand. And, and I think before him, I would say Matt Sundin had the best backhand unbelievable. in hockey. Yeah, uh, unbelievable. Back. Matt Sundin you never talk about how great of a player he was. He was unbelievable in his backhander. You, you're, uh, you hit the nail on the head there. He had not only a great backhander, a great shot all around, really deceptive uh, type of shot, a, a deceptive player. Uh, right. Very good. But C Crosby, um, when I, so during the, when we were quarantined here, they showed a lot of old games on Fox. And I watched that. And I rewound that quasi. I barely got that. It barely hit my elbow. I know we talked about that, but I'm like, 
And people, like I said before, people always talk about Hosa. It wasn't Hosa. It was barely stopped the Crosby thing. So yeah, um, just thank God, thank goodness that it ended up the way it did that year. How? Um, and then like we we got into the next year there. I mean, had another great team in '09. Mm-hmm. '09 was a. I don't know how much time we want to spend on it, but it, I mean, it was. To me, it looked like, and it sounded like from some of the clippings that I saw from that year, like that was your worst personal year, the regular season. Oh, yeah. because 9 there. Yeah, it was, I, um, we won in 08, and, um, was, I, well, I, I enjoyed it too much in the offseason a little bit. Didn't do all the stuff that I needed to do that I was accustomed to doing. And I was 36 at the time, and when you get older, it's harder to bounce back. You just don't all of a sudden get your game back. You you need to stick with it right away after the season ends. And I need to do that. I didn't do it. Took me a heck of a long time to get my game back. But because I had my, I, I'd have flashes of two games where I get it back. Then I'd play two bad ones. Then I'd play one good one. Then one bad one. It was like that all year. I could never get myself on that roll for one reason or another. And, uh, but because of everything I went through, maybe when I was younger, I would have lost that belief. But but I knew when the playoffs started, I would play well. I just had to get myself going and do the work in practice. So I really, really uh, hit it hard with Jim Bedard, made sure I did all the stuff I'd done the year before. And Ty Conklin was with me that year. He's another great partner of mine. Um, he was playing fantastic in net. And thank goodness for him. If it wasn't for him playing like he did, we wouldn't have finished in the standings where we did it because he played so well. Um, probably deserved to play in the playoffs. And, but because I'd won the year before I did, and at that time, just was ready to play in the playoffs again because I had had that mindset um, that I didn't have at the start of the season, but built it throughout the season, not only in games and in practice. And I never felt at that point like I didn't have my game. I just couldn't get on a roll that year. I just could not get on a roll. And I knew once I was able to do that, I'd be fine. And luckily, it happened in the playoffs again. Yeah, you had a heck of a run there in the playoffs again. I was, you know, not to fast forward through all of it, but like to to be up three games to two to win back to back cups. Oh. You know, I mean, you let. Well, I think you lost two to one and two to one. If I'm yeah. not right, yeah. So you let it. You only let in four goals in the last two games. Play great, and then you end up, but you lose at home. You know, game seven, like what? All that way, yeah, right? All that blood, yeah. sweat, and tears. Like how 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 did that one leave and you? Somebody said to me once after, well, you won an 08. I said, that's no consolation because you make it that far. You want to win back to back. You're playing Pittsburgh again. You don't and, and in Detroit, that's a big rival. You don't want to be beat by Crosby, especially at Joel Osrian on home ice. So uh, you think back on great wins and tough losses, by far and away, that's the toughest loss ever. That beats the San Jose loss in overtime. That beats anything. That that was a game that really could have cemented our team back-to-back wins. We're an older team uh, that kind of ended the era of that team for us. We had a lot of veteran guys that were great players. Some of them are in the hall of fame now. And, and we had Zetterberg and Datsuk were in their prime. And we had a, just a Hosa was there. We had a great group of guys. And after that, it was just slowly dismantled. So, and we knew it. And that was disappointing to us after we had lost that game. Yeah, it's tough. Um, I didn't hit it on 08, but I'll ask you the question. Do you, I probably know the answer, but I mean, you were right there for the Conn Smythe trophy and, and a lot of people thought you should have it. Does, does that matter to you at all that you, that you never got given that, that trophy with the, mm. and I'll tell it to everyone, a one five, five GAA and a nine thirty save percentage. Like you were unreal. That yeah. Playoff. Yeah. Yeah. At the time, no, you look back on it. You wish maybe like Oh nine, if we would have won game seven or six, I would have won it. That I think there was a better chance that year. Um, 
because on our team that year in 09, Franz didn't score a ton of goals, but we didn't really have that guy that stood out above everybody else player-wise. So yeah. there's probably a better chance that year. But in 08, Zetterberg was unbelievable. Zetterberg was fantastic, killing penalties, um, offensively leading the team, doing everything that was necessary to win to win hockey games. He was our catalyst. I mean, he shut down some really good players on other teams in series, so I can't say that I deserve to win it over him. He probably yeah. did over, over me that year. Wish that I would have won in 09, because if I would have won it that year, we would have won. Yeah, that would have been cool. That would have been great. It would have been an awesome cherry on top yeah. of an amazing career. Uh, what do you think? Well, you, you've talked about preparation a lot. Did you, did you have any type of, like, and I'm talking before the game. Yeah. Um, like, was there any routines or any type of superstitions that you would have uh, that, that I, you got locked into? I did a lot of things when I was younger. Um, a lot of things when I was in my early 20s, even 27, 28. Then when I got into my 30s, I was like, you're wasting energy and time on all this stuff that has nothing to do with the game. It's funny how you learn. And I'm going to save my mind for the game, but I'm still going to do mental checks. So instead of, you know, obviously you get dressed pretty much the same way every game, but a lot of different things with sticks and stuff's in your stall, you know, things that don't relate to how you're going to play, but are just things you're used to doing. So I wouldn't say there are superstitions more than a routine that was too much when I was younger. And then I remember I was sitting beside Dominic Kasich and he really didn't do anything other than clip his nails and sit there and tell stories with me before the game. But then the two minute buzzer would go and he stand up and go, let's go boys. And he'd go. And then he's on the ice and he was laser focused. And I go, Dom, you know, what, what do you, what do you do for the game? He goes, is Ozzy. I saved my mind for the game. And I'm like, that, that that's brilliant because that's when you need it most. So I, I kind of really taper back what I do off the ice into really organizing into departments where I take, you know, three or four things because you need to do stuff still to get yourself in that mental state where you're prepared to play a game or do whatever you do do that you want to do well, but not overbearing where it's affecting your performance. So you find that happy medium. And, and before it was a lot of moving around different rooms, doing a lot of different stuff. Um <laughs> in the dressing room. And I was just really being in my space, getting my mind ready and, and really relaxing myself. And then, then when the game started, I was ready to go and I was fresh. Did you use visualization at all as a goaltender? Yeah, when I was older, I did. For sure. I did. I, when I was younger too much to a point where I, you know, have to do it on the bench, have to do it in row five, have to do it. You know, I have to do it here. A lot of stuff. I got to tape my stick here. What if you can't tape your stick there? Then it affects the way I play. I didn't tape my stick. You know, a lot of stuff that's unnecessary that gets in your head that affects your outcome of your performance when you play. So I kind of really took a look at that and said, do less, but more, do less, but more and make it, make sure you get yourself that space. You got to be to perform like you do in a, in a more organized, better way. Sure. Is there any, um, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but I, I do, I do know that there's a different role from when you know, you're going to start the game and when you're not a starter, mm -hmm. right. Or even if you know, you're a starter, that's not starting to, you're in a, a specific backup role. Uh, yeah. do, do you, do you feel that there is a difference in there and how you would prepare either for practice or for a game, depending um, on what you were doing? When I was younger, I didn't really change it at all. When, I, when I got into my thirties, 30 on probably, I, even 
you, you put so much merit in whether I'm playing or not when you're younger. If I'm not playing, I'm mad. If I'm playing, I'm great. If I'm not playing well, you're I'm mad. I'm not playing. And when I'm playing great, everything's good. But but when you're doing that, you're not getting any better. You're not making yourself better. So I took it when I was older, the second half of my career. If I wasn't playing, I would make myself better in practice. I'd say, well, this is going to give me the opportunity to get better. This is an opportunity that I might not have if I'm playing all the time. When you're playing all the time, you're just playing. You're doing your thing. Obviously, you want to be performing and playing. That's why you're there. But what do you do when you're not? It's just as important as what you're doing when you are playing. And I, and I learned that too. And I, I really, okay, if I'm, if I'm not playing over the course of the next four days, we, Jim Bedard and I would set up a plan and we'd do it and would have goals in it. You know, I'm gonna, we're going to do this much work on skating. We're going to do this much, this many drills after. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And then we're those three days and we'll get this day off. So you're always making yourself better. I thought that really was a, a big factor in me being able to play till I was 38 is I, I, I got that in my mind. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the right. fact that, hey, I feel pretty darn good after those five days of training. Now when I go in, I, w- I would perform. Some d- sometimes it would go well, sometimes it wouldn't. But I was never, ever at that spot where I was never ready or felt good about what I was doing because I was always trying to make myself better every day. Sure. I got another question here from a nine-year-old goalie uh, in from West Haven. He says, on a breakaway, what is the best place to look uh, to know where the player is going to shoot? <laughs> well, as a goalie? Is he, is this, well, he's a goalie. Yeah, he's a goalie. Yeah, he so he, he's taking he's taking a shooter. Follow the puck. You got to keep your eyes on the puck. A lot of guys will take their eyes off the puck, maybe look at the player's chest. You want to be looking at the puck the whole time. You want to have your gloves pushed out. A lot of times, if you watch the goalies now, watch Mark Andre Fleury, how he does breakaways. Uh, he's aggressive t- sometimes, sometimes he's not, but his gloves are up. A lot of times, these guys make glove saves. It's a shot right into their gloves because their positioning of their hands are taking away that angle, that elevation angle where they can't get it up high because the guys can shoot so well. The key now is, and I, thank goodness, I'm not in these shootouts anymore, but you got to be patient with, with what these guys are doing. And a lot of that comes with keeping your eyes focused on the puck. Don't take your eyes off the puck and get ahead of yourself and make a move that maybe you wouldn't because you're watching his chest or you're watching something else. So focus is real important, keeping your hands out and really just making sure you're sometimes be real aggressive. Right. That's now as now I'm coming at it from a shooter, uh, like the release, the release is of utmost importance in, in my opinion, right? Like the, oh, yeah. the quicker the goalie you off. off with accuracy, the better. And yeah, now, to flip that as a goalie, like, how do you know? Like, some guys you know, I guess, when they're going to shoot, and some guys you don't, right? Isn't that yeah. part of the brilliance of I've it? I've got a mental book on most guys that I played against where I knew their number A, grade A move, and their second move. Possibly the time I have troubles when I, some young stud would go out there that I'd never seen before. That was difficult because I wouldn't know what he, he, he does. I mean, I, um, Patrick Kane, for instance, when he first came in the league, Jonathan Taves, I had no clue. It was tough until I got a book on him. And that I know what they do do, but I, but as as a goalie, we're talking breakaways still. You want to be real patient. It used to be come way out to the hash marks and back. Now it's kind of top of the crease. Be real patient. Don't move a lot. Keep your hands out. Keep your keep your eyes on that puck. Stay real focused. And they're so athletic now, and it's difficult um, to score on these guys in the NHL because they spread themselves out. Their legs are long, but I would say eyes in the puck. Stay patient. Hey, it's okay to be aggressive sometimes on these guys. Sure. How about the release odds? Like, I, I'll just tell you. Yeah. So, me being a shooter, you know, wherever I was, I was kind of a shooter. And some guys, some goalies, I felt like I could, I could expose, right? And some goalies, I could never score on. Uh, 
John Van Biesbrook, for instance, he was a guy that I could score on in practice. He was an unbelievable goalie, but when I was there, I, I could score on him. And he actually was, he was super good to me. He took me aside. He really compl- he was complimentary of my release. He says, you have an NHL release, you know, like mm-hmm. keep shooting, blah, blah, blah. Another example of me being with an NHL goalie was uh, Cristobal Huey in Germany. And yeah. uh, he came over there the lockout year. I, I don't know if I scored in them all year, Oz. Like mm-hmm. he he knew where I was shooting before I knew where I was shooting, right? And uh, yeah. How do you like how how do you break that down as a goalie? I'm sure you must have had that in your own right. Like some guys, you just knew where they were going with it before they did, and some yeah, guys you, you couldn't really well, tell where that puck was going to be uh, delivered to. Goalies, re, I, you read pucks off guys' sticks before they leave the sticks from their release, or how they'd have their hands, or how they'd have their stick positioned, or where the puck was on their stick, or if you're coming in where the puck is. And another thing for the goalies, watch where the puck is. Usually, if it's forward, they're not going to shoot it. If it's back halfway, usually they're going to shoot it. Uh, so you got to look for puck position as well, but just for me, if, if, if now we're looking, now we're talking from a shooting standpoint is quick. Oh, you just broke up. Can you still hear me? Oz? Let's see if we can get Ozzy back in here. Hold on. Oz, are you there? Well, we have a little technical issue. Hopefully, we can get him back on. We're almost at the end here, anyways. We're getting. I'm getting the spinning wheel. Uh, see if we can get Mr. Osgood back on. What an awesome opportunity, though, to have uh, Chris Osgood on here. Three Stanley Cups, two as a starter, uh, 17 seasons in the NHL, 400 wins he has as an NHL goaltender. Uh, I think he's still top 10 all time in the NHL in that department and a heck of a lot of playoff victories under his belt too. Uh, Hopefully we can get Ozzy back. Oh, it'd be a shame if we can't, if we can't sign off with him. Uh, Is there any, uh, any other questions in case that he comes back on? I know there's a few of you that that have been stuck on here and thanks so much for joining us. I hope you've enjoyed the interview as much as me. Uh, you can more than welcome to give some thumbs up or uh, or some questions in the chat box here while we wait for Ozzy to get back on. If I know Ozzy, you know what I bet happened? I bet you that his phone ran out of power. He was on he was on his phone, and uh, and I bet you it ran out of battery and he never noticed. So I may have to wait for him to to get his battery back going here. And if you, uh, for any of you out there right now too, to, who haven't aren't are not familiar with that fight with Patrick Waugh, it's easy to find on YouTube. It is it is a wild one. Uh, that if you can imagine fighting your idol at center ice of a Stanley Cup playoff game, who is probably four inches taller and uh, maybe a little bit meaner, that was a quite of experience for Oz. It was his first fight of his career, and he did pretty darn good in it too. Ended up in front of his bench in in Detroit there and. There was uh, Scotty Bowman yelling at Patrick Waugh, and those rivalries back in those days were pretty crazy. Uh, so I suggest I suggest you you at home there check that fight out. Uh, they had some crazy, crazy series. There he is. Yeah, yeah. I had to move. Can you, I don't know if you can see me very good, but that's okay. Thanks for coming back. What happened? My internet's not working great here. That's what happens when you have tons of teenagers in your house and kids on it. 
There we go. But no, you've been such a gracious uh, guest, uh, Oz, and uh, I was just trying to fill some time in there telling okay. them to watch that uh, watch that Patrick Waugh fight oh, until the series back in the day. But um, yeah, I mean, I think really we, we've touched it all, man. You've you've been you've been great. I mean, you learned a lot along the way in the 17 years. If there's any, if there's one last piece of advice that you'd want to give a young goaltender today uh, who's making his way, what would you? What would that be? Just be prepared at all the time. Put in the work. Um, be ready when you're not playing, even make that time worthwhile. I hear a lot of guys complain or they spend a lot of wasted energy and I did it figuring out why you're not playing or you should be playing or not getting along with your partner, get along with your partner. It's hard to do it by yourself. And when you're not playing, what can I do to get better and prepare myself to be the best I can be and, 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 and continue to battle, have a short memory in games and really have a belief in yourself. I mean, it's, it's, it starts with that. And when you're playing games, just continue to battle, move on. Mistakes to me aren't mistakes. Mistakes are tools for learning and getting better and, and, and making yourself better and enjoy the journey. Yeah. That's I try, a perspective shift. I think yeah, right there, right? It, that it, a mistake, it, a mistake is, is an opportunity to learn if you choose it to be an opportunity to learn. It yeah, doesn't define you as being a failure. hundred percent. Yeah, no, that's great. And thanks for being such a good sport and allowing me to show my my big uh, WHL highlight reel there at your expense. That is pretty awesome. good. I haven't seen footage from the 80s in the WHL ever, so thank you for that. <laughs> that made my entire day. You know, I I, I I don't mind watching myself get scored. It makes me laugh. But that wraparound, that rivaled Doug Gilmore for sure. You're, <laughs> you're in elite company now, Podsy. I love it. All right, buddy. Thanks so much for joining us from Michigan. Yeah. Uh, three-time Stanley Cup champion, Chris Osgood. Really appreciate it, man. You're up. You're amazing. Uh, thanks for taking the All time. Right. Thanks, Posse. Have a good Cheers, one. Cheers, buddy. Bye. Hello there, and thank you for listening today and sharing your time with Chris and I. Uh, Chris was an amazing guest, and boy, did he have lots of good stuff there. You know, one of my big takeaways was his his. He kept going to preparation, preparation, preparation. Uh, if you fail to prepare, essentially you're preparing to fail, as the old adage goes. And that was something that Chris kept going back to and, and saying that, boy, that was something that he wished that he understood a little earlier in his career, that he didn't quite understand it until he got into his 30s and what a better player he would have been if he could have you know, dialed in those practice habits and his preparation uh, levels a little earlier. Uh, another one that I took away was, was how hard it is to win right like that winning's difficult and that even with great teams it's hard to win even with great coaches it's hard to win so that's why you can't rest everything on the results even at the nhl level it's such a results league and you have to get it done but if that's all you're focused on you're going to be living a miserable life so you have to focus on the process you have to focus on getting better and what it takes to get better every day and another thing that chris said there that really struck home with me was his ability to put perspective on errors and on mistakes on when he screwed up that he was able to learn from that and made a point of learning from it and I think when he had that perspective shift where he would ask himself what does this mean to me and how can I get better from it you're able with your mind as an athlete to now put that mistake behind you instead of dwelling on it and thinking about it and ruminating on it so I think those are great lessons from Chris obviously there was a lot more in there but those are the big ones that I took away and there's so many things to learn from a guy who played in the league for 17 years. Uh, and I'm hope, I hope all you hockey fans out there really enjoyed that and all you young players could take some really good points away and use them in your own game. So once again, uh, another great guest. We'll get another great guest for you next week, but keep playing hard and keep your head up. Cheers.